0: This is transistor.fm.
1: Oh man. I'm starting to feel that stress.
0: Yeah. Me too. What are you stressed about? I don't know. I just feel like there's too much to do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> me too. I think this should be the show right here. I don't how did this happen? I I think for me it's there's a lot of stress about travel because I know I'm leaving. Yeah. And I know I have to do a talk and that stresses me out. What? Where is it coming from for you?
0: I just feel like I've been just fixing bugs and stuff and not actually doing any feature work. Mm. And then we're talking about private podcasting stuff and we have this huge list of other things that we haven't started.
1: Yeah. Just st- stresses you out more.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, it's okay, though.
1: Well, let's let's just keep going. I think this should be the call.
0: What did you send me a link? Oh, yeah, that. that's oh yeah.
1: Because now we decided to switch to Google Docs.
0: Right,
1: remember? Oh yeah. How how come their their default is Arial?
0: Why is it all highlighted?
1: Because uh, I'm going to change the font to something oh. else. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh
0: okay, I'm going to record right now. Do you need to
1: visualize your data? try redash you'll be up and running in less than 30 minutes go to redash.io and you'll get 50% off your first three months when you mention this podcast hey
0: everyone welcome to build your SaaS. this is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019 I'm John Buddha, a software engineer,
1: and I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. Tell me more. You, the, you've, we've got this big backlog. We did go through it and cleaned it out a little bit.
0: Yeah, we did. Um, I think struggling dealing with struggling or dealing with is um, kind of the. Push and pull between like fixing bugs or improving small parts of the app. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, helping out customers with customer support. Uh, and then also trying to leave room to think about new feature development. Mm-hmm. Um, which I haven't really felt like I've been able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's probably mostly my fault for not for not really, I don't know, structuring my day in a way that would allow for that large amount of space to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't help that it's hot as hell here right now. All of a sudden there's this massive heat wave and like if I don't wake up in the morning and work out, I can't really do it. Cause it's too hot, and I didn't. And I didn't do that today. Gotcha. Because I got a little extra sleep, but then when I woke up, it was already like eighty-five. Yeah. And humid, and like I can't ride a bike. I can't run. I could go swimming, but by then the pool was closed. Yeah. A lap swim. Um. So then it's like, all right, now I now I got to fit that somewhere into my day mm-hmm. somehow, or like I have to go to the gym, which I don't really enjoy doing. So it's like I'm juggling all of these things in my head simultaneously (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i think i think a lot of that is the overwhelm that's where it comes from yeah is that just feeling like it's more the feeling like i have lots of things in my brain that are that are not allocated and aren't even completely uh like there's not I don't even exactly know what's in my head, you know? Yeah. It's just the the general idea that there's a big list up there that stresses me out.
0: Yeah. And like we have a list outside of our heads uh-huh. as well. Um I think this is where
1: going back to the way Basecamp shapes their work might be helpful for us. Um by the way, Jason Freed reached out to me. And wants to, I, I posted just a clip of you and I talking about this on LinkedIn and he commented on it and said he wanted to come on the show and talk about it. Oh, nice. So I think that'll be, what did he say? He said, week after next. So not next week, but the week after that. Um, he, he'll come on and talk a little bit more, which I think could be helpful yeah Be- because I think part of the problem is I'm even looking at your backlog right now,
0: mm-hmm. and we
1: have you know as a customer, if my RSS import fails, uh, better feedback to customers about Spotify submission status, ability to have multiple episodes embedded in the player, uh, analytics uh, CSV download, and those are really all not related. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, not at all.
1: And I, I can see, I guess it depends on how you like to work, but I can see it's not like we have a theme right now that is kind of driving everything. It, it's like partly it's just like, okay, well, what am I going to pick off today?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I think I kind of said, I'm. I feel like I've largely been in bug fixing, tiny improvement mode. Mm -hmm. which um, is good. It's necessary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it may mean that any of the new features we've been thinking about adding or talking about aren't, like, crucial to the success of Transistor. Like, maybe it's in a good place. Yeah. And the bug fixes are necessary. Um, But it it just sometimes kind of feels like a little bit of a slog where it's like you're helping customers with the same problems the the things you're fixing aren't necessarily reducing that yeah and a lot of it a lot of it is you know general questions just about like how things work or maybe we're not surfacing like our onboarding isn't complete enough to answer these questions or
1: you know especially because i've been listening to other podcasts with you know like uh, bootstrapped web uh, art of product, and, you know, people, <laughs> th- these are all common problems. Uh, here's a tweet from Brian Castle. He says, rolling out a SaaS product for months, it's calm, organized, steady process. Research, build, research, build more. Then once you cross into first users and customers, you're all of a sudden behind on everything docs yeah, onboarding <laughs> marketing product support
0: that sounds about right and especially as we grow i think it just kind of escalates yeah right which is good i mean it's a good problem to have people are interested and they're signing up and we're helping them um but at what point do you ignore those requests i mean you kind of i feel like you kind of have to schedule it right and just say like I'm going to I'm going to do support for an hour and then I'm going to cut it off. Like I have to cut it off cuz I I mean I maybe you do too I tend to jump in there right when things come in.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I think our listeners as they're hearing this, I think their response is going to be it sounds like you folks are at the point where you need to hire someone to do support. Possibly. And because that is uh, increasingly one of the things that takes up our time. Yeah,
0: and I think I yeah I think we both agree that that would probably be our first hire, is someone to do support.
1: And and we we are in an, a messy industry, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, where it's just no matter how many docs we write and how good our onboarding gets and everything else, uh, I think there's always going to be folks that have questions. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, to be honest, I'm kind of the same way. If I, you know, if I know I can message the founder directly or get a, someone on live chat right away, I will do that as opposed to, you know, <laughs> hmm. browsing through a bunch right. of docs because it's maybe, who knows? Like, you know, it, it just feels like, it, well, if I can get the answer right now, I'd rather do that. And Addie Pinar has this old, uh, talk that he gave ages ago where he says you know the dirty secret about software as a service is that most people are actually paying you for the service
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> not for the software so i mean even even kind of uh, lean organizations like basecamp have a sizable number of folks in support so yeah, it might yeah. that that might be one thing because I think it does I even if we hired somebody, we would still be doing support. And it does feel like, you know, I've had for example, on my side, I have I've had this marketing site on my plate forever. And I feel like I just I really just need 10, 20% to finish the last 10, 20% and just get it out the door. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's part of the, the issue is just it's easy to get t- to just do the everyday things.
0: Yeah. But yeah. But in the meantime, you're probably still thinking about that site in the back of your mind. So it's like still taking up mental energy.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 I I think this is why cadence seems so important, especially when you're a small team. If we had a line in the sand saying our we are starting a 6 week cycle on august 1st and the theme of that cycle is going to be the multi episode player and we're going to finish it in 6 weeks that i think that would change a lot of things you know yeah. what i mean like just having that that thought of no this is what we're doing and cleaning off even our, like, all this other stuff, like, just, again, going back to that Ben Ornstein tweet, right, just, like, just remove it all from our, all of these cards, all of these tickets from our screen and from our brain, Uh, because it it is just a wall of stuff, like,
0: yeah, I mean, I can, I can hide that bucket, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, might help. Or just only show the things I'm currently assigned to, which I can do so right part of part of it is maybe I mean not taking care of not take not using the tool we have yeah, honestly, most, I think most effectively, but
1: I think we could we could hi- we did we did a big kind of we we moved a lot of things into I, an ideas folder. I feel like we could do that again because even there are things here we definitely want to build, but it's about focus.
0: Yeah, I'd be I'd be interested um, in talking to Jason Fried about this because I mean their process now came out of a company that is much much bigger than ours, and I like I'm curious to, to know what he thinks about something like a work style like that, but for two people who are doing everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't necessarily know if it will apply directly. Mm-hmm. To us but
1: yeah yeah i mean i i think that there would be some this is actually where the wisdom of people who are more experienced i think is helpful you know even like it's almost like i could hire anybody <laughs> maybe not anybody but i could hire a a a professional organizer to come and watch my day and for sure they would be able to go okay well you might not realize this, but you spend a lot of time doing this kind of work, and that is why you're not able to focus on the these big rocks that you want to move, right? Mm-hmm. And um, on the flip side, there's also this other thing that I, I don't want us to lose sight of, which is... We both seem to even hearing what you were saying about exercise and how important it is to you. Uh, instead of that being like uh, a another task that is burdensome, that's like that's for that's for folks that are working jobs. People who are working jobs have to figure out how they're going to get to the gym, right? But people who are bootstrapping their own company should have the freedom. To go, you know what? I am going to the gym right now. Yep. And it's not a another task. It's just, it's an exercise in freedom, and so, which means we need to make space for that. <laughs> like today, <Huh>. I <laughs> I woke up at eleven thirty a.m. this morning, <laughs> and I never do that. Like I am almost always up at least by 8 o'clock.
0: Yeah, I don't know the last time I did that.
1: And today I just woke up at 1130 and I was like, what happened? <laughs> and it's because I was camping and I had a bunch of bad sleeps. And then I got back and my brain started working overtime. And so I was up to like two in the morning, a bunch of nights just thinking about ideas. And so I needed to catch up. And part of me was like, Kind of panicking a little bit, like, oh my God, like I leave for New York right away. I need to write my talk for Laracon. I I'm probably behind on Kayako support already. Yeah. Uh you know, I haven't talked to John all day. He's for him, eleven thirty is probably like I never know time zones, right? You're in central, so like
0: Yeah, it's like one thirty.
1: Yeah, it's one thirty. I'm like, John's whole day's gone. This whole day is messed up, you know? <laughs> but we the again we we're doing this because we don't want to live a conventional life right, and so there's there should also be this feeling, yeah i of just creating space for life and um. The more I talk about this out loud, the more it feels like in order for one thing we're going to have to do to get create more space for our lives is to get someone to do support. Because yeah. it is kind of the constant thing that, you know, even if I'm in New York next week, and then if you join me, are you going to join me, by the way?
0: uh, Thinking about it. Yeah, thinking about it. <laughs> I
1: should. if If you join me. Uh, we'll both be in New York, and it—you know—I'm going to be in meetings. I'm—I there's just going to be large stretches of time where I can't be drinking from this fire hose, right? That is, you know, all of our incoming. So I think yeah, that's something we're gonna have to think about. Is uh, uh, you know, again, that the base camp folks always say higher when you're when it's painful, and mm-hmm. it feels like it is getting to be painful and uh i think we could start somebody was telling me on twitter that they started it was a listener to the show they said they started by just hiring folks on an hourly contract yeah and um that that worked well for them because then you don't have to go through the
0: yeah i mean yeah ideally we would find someone who is who is knowledgeable about the podcasting space to a certain degree? So there's like mm-hmm. just the, the concepts of how things work and how things are connected. And yeah, because um, obviously there'll be some amount of training. So we're, you know, we're supporting the support person, mm-hmm. which is additional work. But I mean, that's just sort of like necessary.
1: Yeah. Let me tell you about a trick that I, uh, I, think will help after this message from ProfitWell. This episode is brought to you by ProfitWell.com. I want to tell you about Patrick Campbell, who's the founder of ProfitWell, and then Heaton Shaw, who is uh, a friend of mine and is kind of one of the he's one of the Silicon Valley gurus. He's he's always uh, giving out wisdom on Twitter. And they are teaming up on a new video series that breaks down what people actually think about your favorite products, so if you're building a product, you're not going to want to miss this. You can sign up for early access by going to transistor.fm/slash/profitwell. That's just a redirect I set up that will take you to this type form that they have uh, for early access. But yeah, thanks to ProfitWell for supporting the show. One idea I had, uh, I I've been I was. I did this test last week where there's a big podcasting conference in Florida called uh, Podcast Movement. And um, actually, and sidebar, maybe we'll come back to this. You and I wanted to talk about flights. And maybe after this, we can talk about that. But, uh, you know, for various reasons, it's in August this year. Um, I'm already going traveling a bunch of time zones over from British Columbia to New York. And I didn't want to go back home and then travel a bunch more time zones back in August again. And so we're not going this year. But I thought it would be interesting if we could find, you know, different companies will sometimes have uh, evangelists or, you know, representatives or, uh, you know, folks that that can represent them at events. And I wanted to explore that idea a little bit. And in Mixpanel, you can filter by geographic region. And uh, Mixpanel is the analytics software we use. And so I filtered by Florida and just reached out to, I think there was probably 10 or 11 people. I wrote them each an individual email. Um, I would just check and make sure that they were active customers, that they had a show. And then I reached out to them individually and said, just wondering if you're planning on going to um, this conference. And uh, a few people responded and said that they were. And so now I'm like, okay, well, maybe I haven't taken the next step, but I was like, huh? Okay. Well, are these the kinds of people that we would want representing us, and how would that work? You know, there's some thoughts, but a lot of that process is similar to I think what we would do with our initial customer support hire. Yeah. Sorry, did you say yeah at, at, at non-committally or?
0: <laughs> uh, no, I was just processing it, thinking it at the same time. I answered. Yeah. Question mark. Uh,
1: uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there's different types of yes uh but as an example i just searched uk and that brings up because we'd probably want to hire someone in a different time zone uh that brings up 41 profiles and i think it's just it's probably just looking for dot uk emails in this case yeah but um I know from past teams I've been on that the best customer support hires have always been uh, really active customers, and so if there was, you know, someone in the UK or Australia that was already a real, really passionate user, that would be ideal, really, because they already know the system. Uh, they're already, you know, what else would I look for? I'd see if they they've already shared us with their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know if they there's a few check b- boxes there but if they meet those criteria then yeah that that would be perfect for us do you think
0: i think so i think it would work yeah i mean i guess you know obviously we'd have to reach out it depends on what their current uh work situation is
1: <laughs> yeah we wouldn't be talking it definitely wouldn't it would be probably hourly and I'd have to talk to a few folks about what is a reasonable kind of hourly wage for something like that or hourly freelancing yeah. uh, payment. I talked to, again, this person I talked to on Twitter gave me some of their numbers. And so, yeah, I think I'll look into that too. Do you want to talk about flights or do you want to talk about, let's just quickly talk about flights. Okay. This is going to be. I, some of you folks that listen to this right now are they 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 want to hear about, you know, what we're working on, the challenges we're facing, all that kind of stuff. And this is just another kind of this one is more philosophical. So we'll try to keep it short. But again, I, one of the things I think we're trying to do is build a company out of our values. And I just read this, this New York Times article again about how, for most folks, airplane travel is the biggest portion of their carbon footprint. I think if you fly from New York to L.A., which is essentially what I'm going to do yeah. you know, right away here, it's, that's 20% of your annual carbon footprint just right there.
0: Oh, wow. Of, of what you should be, or what well, the maximum you should be.
1: Well, now you're going to make me look up the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the article. I'll, I'll find it. Um, but let's just say it's a big chunk of, you know, of what most people, maybe what the average person is, has or something. And, you know, in tech circles, flying has just become this default privilege Right. And I've been trying to challenge myself about about that. Cuz clearly I've had a lot of benefits from flying places. Uh you and I met because we had both taken flights from our respective cities to Portland. I just want to be mindful about it, you know.
0: Have you have yeah. you thought
1: about this at all? What, I have,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah, I have. It's uh I mean I think travel is amazing. It it opens up amazing opportunities and for new experiences and and everything but yeah, I mean it, you know, uh, you read the news these days and it's just like gloom and doom about the environment and it's mm-hmm. you know, some days you're like, well, we're screwed anyway. What's the what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. And other days you're like, well, it's, you know, it is actually something I can do is fly less or um, yeah, let's say eat less meat. Mhm. I mean, both of those things, flying and like meat production is terrible for the environment. So it's really it's really no longer something you can ignore.
1: Well, and I mean, (laughs) clearly there is part of me that would just love to ignore it.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people do. Yeah. Or just don't think about it very often.
1: I've got the article in front of me now. so. Take one round trip flight between New York and California, and you've generated about 20% of the greenhouse gases that your car emits over an entire year. If you're like most people, flying may be a large portion of your carbon footprint. Overall, the aviation industry accounts for 11% of all transportation-related emissions in the U.S., and flying is going up. More and more people are flying. And there's this other piece to this that, again, is difficult to talk about. And I'm sure some folks are going to roll their eyes when we talk about it. But this idea that, yes, travel is better. Travel will give you more opportunities. It will increase your surface area of luck. It'll increase the the number of people you meet and the number of people that know you. It's how a lot of deals get made, even in this world of Zoom and Skype and everything, Right yep but it is also a it could be viewed as something that a privileged class gets to do at the expense of other folks
0: yeah yeah I, uh, I mean I think that's yeah that's definitely something to keep in mind I mean most of most of I would say the carbon emissions in the world are are being out. Outputted is that a word? Outputted, <laughs> yeah. By wealthier countries, wealthier people, and at the expense of mm-hmm. uh, these places that aren't aren't emitting as much uh, greenhouse gases. So it's yeah, it's and and they're the ones that are going to see the effects first.
1: That's right. So yeah, it's and again, it's it's hard to think about this stuff because it's not comfortable. Because it, it really does kind of bring out my privilege. There's this great uh, episode of Spark CBC, um, CBC Radio here, where they talked about this. I'll put it in the show notes as well. And this this gal, um, Mel Gregg, she works for Intel, but she's written this book that kind of centers on this topic. Uh, I think it's called Counterproductive. I'd like to read it because she's really pushing a lot of these ideas (laughs) that there's this class of people that have emerged, many of whom work in the tech industry, and we just kind of go about our day in a way that benefits us, but has negative consequences or has at least a relationship to the rest of the world that maybe we never think about. I think we could probably leave it there. Uh, I just bring this up because you and I are mashing our values together (laughs) in in this company. And, uh, I mean, one thing is, it was at least somewhat. It was nice that we were talking about this offline, and we seemed to be somewhat aligned on this because I think it would be if, if all of a sudden I, for example, had a really strong opinions about one way, but you were <laughs> like, "No, Justin, we're going to fly thirty times a year." That would have been tricky.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's. I think there's, there are things we can do to offset some of this. Mm -hmm. Um, We're using Amazon cloud services, right? And that does obviously use electricity. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think Amazon is necessarily as committed as, let's say, Apple as far as, you know, their data centers being green. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, in Chicago, like personally, um, we have the option here to choose a different electric provider that is, I think, wind powered. Hmm. And we can pay them directly. Um, we, as a company, we could sign up for something like one percent for the planet, mm-hmm. which is an organization that you basically pledge one percent of your your uh, revenue to these environmental organizations.
1: Wow, that would be interesting because that's I've been in such uh you know since 2016. I've really been in self sustaining mode.
0: Uh huh.
1: I've been pretty self focused in a lot of ways, and so to actually put my money where my mouth is and <laughs> right. do that, yeah, that would be an interesting step for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's the pessimistic side of of me that's like, well, one person or two people, they're not going to make a difference. But yeah, I mean, large largely, this stuff does have to be driven by, I think, governments around the world, which the U.S. is failing miserably at that. But mm-hmm. hopefully, mm-hmm. that changes soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I,
1: I, I mean, the, the, the thing I keep coming back to on this stuff is that Seth Godin quote, people like us do things like this. And I just remember being in the 80s. And for w- whatever reason, society all just decided people like us care about the ozone. And mm-hmm. we really cared. Like, we, we rallied together and, and solved a big problem. Uh, that could have easily kind of disrupt g- gone into factions of you know split into this group like, no, the ozone's not real, fake news, <laughs> right uh, but it it worked now there was damage done. Apparently there's a huge hole over our friends in Australia, and that that was caused in North America and is now uh, it shifted over there, and now I think their oh. rates of skin cancer are really high but we at least you know solved the problem so anyway i think it's interesting for a
0: few things we'll
1: we'll keep uh, yeah we'll keep talking
0: about that if anybody if anybody has any good ideas for us let us know
1: yeah oh and i i think the other thing that was interesting to me was just thinking we can run this company however we want and that means we can find creative solutions to things that may have just become the default for other companies. Like, of course, Justin and John have to go to podcast movement. Well, maybe we don't. Maybe if it's in Florida, we find a really passionate customer and ask them to be our representative. That is an option. Or maybe we only go when it's a short flight. You know, like next year, it's going to be somewhere different. We, we have choices. And when you... Are the head of the company, even if it's a company of two, you do that responsibility is is squarely on us, on deciding what do we value, and then what are we actually going to do about it. Right. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you've been working on? I, I know you've. I think it might be interesting just to talk a little bit about like there's been some infrastructure tweaks. You've been. Uh, is there any of that you want to discuss publicly? Uh, yeah, I could. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> why don't you tell tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of what you're working on and maybe some of the struggles you're having there.
0: Um, Yeah, the biggest, I think the biggest thing was we, a while, well, a couple of weeks maybe ago, we moved over our image hosting to use a different CDN. So we're using, instead of S3, we're going to use um, Backblaze or this service called B2 by Backblaze, which is a little bit, uh, I guess, less expensive, but also um, works really well with Cloudflare Mm -hmm. as a CDN. Um, So having switched that over, um, I noticed that we were getting some errors popping up with people uploading images. Mm. from our site directly to to backblaze which would just like throw an error and people would get would see an error screen and not really i think know what's going on Mm -hmm. um and so i did a little research and like it's a problem that backblaze knows about and is like they don't really see it as a problem necessarily they're just like well you should set your thing up to like retry a couple times um it's like this. This service is too busy error that pops up, right? If if you're just like throwing images at their service, gotcha. Um, and it really only happens when you upload. Like the the actual, you know, reading the image back and displaying it on the browser is totally fine. But weird. I I
1: don't I don't I don't
0: like this at all.
1: <laughs> it is weird. It is weird. So the idea is like you have to just keep kicking the machine until it behaves. Sort
0: of. Yeah. Sort of. Trying to I'm trying to get to the bottom of like their explanation and why it. Is an okay thing, but yeah. And S S3... it, three, it's just it's just that their infrastructure is set up a lot differently than S three. Yeah. So I had to sort of figure out a way for us to let people upload directly to S three, but then have it basically mirrored over to Backblaze, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which works well. It led me to learning something new, which is fun, which was using uh, AWS Lambda functions. Okay. Which is this. Kind of interesting service where it's like uh, serverless code they call it. Yeah, you basically are uploading code to the cloud that runs when something specific happens, right? So in this case, it's this little bit of Ruby code that will run every time something is added to an S3 bucket. Mm-hmm. So it some an, some image is added to an S3 bucket, it kicks off this event that says, "Hey, run this code." Um, it passes the information from S3 to this code and does a thing. Basically, it's just copying a file from S3 to Backplace in the background, right? So it doesn't uh, slow down the application. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, thinking about it more is sort of annoying that I even have to think about doing that. But on the other hand, like, I did end up learning something new, which could be useful for something else down the road. So
1: Yeah. A a lot of, I think a lot of, What we are going to end up doing, because we have so many different assets, like media assets, Um, this is going to be a lot of our work, is just kind of juggling these things and figuring out the best way to store and deliver those assets.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, you know, it's uh, the bandwidth adds up. It gets expensive, and you're trying to sort of um, juggle performance with cost. Mm-hmm. uh reliability um you know backups of of certain things that are important yeah and so yeah i, I don't think it's ultimately like a bad thing that i had to do this but
1: and uh, just br- briefly before we end the show you also had to do some work for apple's new categories do you want to talk yeah. about that
0: yeah i do yeah so um this uh, we should roll this out today or sometime in mm-hmm. a couple of days but Apple announced a new list of updated categories for podcasts. And on the one hand, it's a little weird that they're the ones sort of dictating what the major categories are for podcasting. But on Mm -hmm. the other hand, they did kind of invent the thing. So they revised their list. They added some new top level categories, like I think history and true crime. Uh, And another one that I'm forgetting, but and then they sort of reorganized, added a bunch of subcategories, moved some subcategories around or removed a few subcategories that were like duplicates are no longer really relevant. Mm-hmm. And so what we had to do was was implement this new list of categories, but also remap, like update our customer's podcast to a newer category if they're using one that was either renamed or removed. Yeah. Um, so we'll run that and update people's shows accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I th- we're going to send out a newsletter kind of letting people know to to sort of review their, review their categories. They might want to change it to a new category that didn't exist before. That's more accurate.
1: Yeah. I, the, I mean, on one hand, I'm glad they're doing something. Um, they, they are kind of the, uh, they own the spec in some ways. Right. And so. Yeah everyone just kind of waits for them to add new things to the spec. And so I'm glad they're doing something. I think the rollout was a little bit weird.
0: Um, It was a little, they didn't really communicate it really well as far as like when it's happening, uh, what we need, what we need to do to move categories uh, is very, it was just like, here's a list. Uh, Sometime in the summer, it's going to (laughs) happen.
1: Yeah, so we're glad it's happening. I'll I'll be emailing our customers um, about all these changes. And uh, again, part of it's exciting. People have been waiting for new categories for a long time. And so uh, I'm glad that they're doing it. But yeah, it it just means for us, uh, there's all this kind of work that we download from these bigger companies, Spotify, Apple, Google. Um, They introduce specs and then we need to comply And, uh, I guess that's just our life. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Cool. Well, I have, I have to jump on another call right now. And so I think we should probably, um, yeah, just close this one out Uh, again. If you folks are in New York and you're in the podcast industry, um, let me know. I'm going to get to hang out with Uh, David Zorob from Chartable which is great I got a meeting booked with him Uh, hoping to hang out with Bill uh, who's at Spotify now Uh, but yeah I'd love to meet with you if you're in New York and you're in podcasting Uh, this might be my last flight ever so uh, (laughs) grab grab your chance while you got it
0: Uh, John, why don't you go through our Patreons? All right. Uh, we ha- Yeah, thanks to everyone um, to support us on Patreon here, making this possible. Uh, we have Colin Gray uh, from alitu.com, Josh Smith, Ivan Kerkovic, Brian Ray, Miguel Pidrafita, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Corey Haynes, Michael Sitver, who lives in Chicago and emailed me. Oh, sweet. Which was interesting about you know letting congratulating me on uh, leaving my job.
1: Yeah, sweet. That's awesome.
0: Uh, yeah, Paul Jarvis uh, and Jack Ellis, Dan Buddha, my brother,
1: DanBuda.com. dot <laughs> com,
0: uh, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Schukert, Dan Erickson, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta,
1: Junta dot (laughs) com. What is Dave Junta's website?
0: I think Uh, it's might it might just be his name or something.
1: Yeah, I think it's just let's see here. He's D Junta on Twitter. Oh, he doesn't have a website listed there. Man, he he looks so he looks so smart. (sighs) He's a smart guy. His photo it just it just communicates like he could be at Oxford or something. And who else? Oh, Kyle Fox at Get Rewardful.
0: Yep. And our sponsors this week, ProfitWell and Redash.
1: Beauty. We will see you folks next week.